0: Hello everybody, this is Tamsin Wolf, and you're listening to Bullseye. This is the 15th episode and this one's called The Betrayal. Uh, thanks so much for everyone who's stuck with me through all of this. I've got lots of new listeners in the last couple of weeks, which is always awesome, so hi to you. And I just want to give a quick thanks to the lovely Katrina and also the lovely Janice, who have become new patrons of the show That's so appreciated, I can't even tell you. And if you'd like to do that, and I'd very much love it if you would, if you go to my Facebook page called My Bullseye Podcast with Tamsin Wolf, that's on Facebook, and always the probably second or third post down is a patron page where you just tap on the link and it says, do you want to become a patron? It's pretty self-explanatory and straightforward. And you can give as little as a dollar a month, as far as I know. That's the about the minimum. But, yeah, it just helps so much in me getting this further out there and all the costs involved, and it's just wonderful. Whenever I get new patrons, I feel so supported and I really appreciate it. That's that one. And also, oh, I'm going to do a little giveaway this time. I've got to do this before I forget to because I keep, Getting to do these things until halfway through the show, and then I wish I'd done it earlier. The giveaway that we've got this time is called It's a book called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wallen, who is the founder and director of the Family Constellation Institute in San Francisco. So he's a pretty clever fella who's done a lot of work in this area, and the little blurb thing with the book is. It Didn't Start With You is the first book of its kind to offer step-by-step guidance to help people break the cycle of destructive inherited family patterns. You will learn how to identify inherited family trauma that lives in your anxious words, fears, behaviours and unexplained physical symptoms. Doesn't that sound awesome? I must confess I haven't read it myself yet. I've ordered myself a copy in it actually hasn't come yet, but I can't wait to read it. But yeah, it just sounds fascinating. It would be wonderful to get to the bottom of all that sort of stuff, wherever possible. So yeah, we're, I'm giving away a copy of that, and it's to anybody wherever you are in the world. It doesn't matter. So just enter wherever you are, and again, just go to my Gmail, mybullseyePodcast at gmail dot com, all lowercase, all one word, and just put your name and address and or postal address definitely so I know where to send it and just say, I'd like the book, please, or I'd like the book or whatever you want to put just so I know you've entered. It's as simple as that. And I'll choose the winner by the next, next episode, so probably in the next few weeks. So, yeah, get in there and do that because, as I said last time, I said I think you had a 1 in 17 chance of winning the last one away because there were so few entries so you probably got a pretty good chance this time of winning as well so yeah do that and uh, i trying to think anything else i needed to say oh, we're in the middle here where i live in australia of just the most sweaty horrible hot disgusting heat wave that i can remember in a long long time I'm sitting here like directly in front of aircon, but still sweating like an absolute pig and I've got sweat running down every, oh, you don't want to picture that, do you, every part of my body and it's really, really gross and I'm just battling through it and actually felt like I couldn't actually do an episode while it was this hot because I can't even think straight. I felt like my brain's melting but... um. I'm giving it a go, so please forgive me if it's a little bit all over the place. That wouldn't be unusual anyway, let's face it. So, yes, the episode this time, I wanted to explain too from last time there was the horrible story in the episode called Shock that was about an ex-partner of mine who has been incarcerated for alleged child abuse and I promised to give an update on that situation and as yet I'm unable to because there hasn't been any significant change that I know of just yet. And so there's nothing really to report. Oh, I'm waiting every day to hear what's going on with that. And I'm, I will let you know as soon as I can, but I just wanted to let you know there's no real follow-up or update to that just at the moment, but we will get there with it. Anyway, this story, The Betrayal, Amongst all the, you know, assaults that I talk about and all the horrible things that have happened to me, you know, throughout my life and in regard to men a lot of the time and from a very young age up until not that long ago, I reckon I can honestly say this story I'm going to tell today is, in my deepest feeling, just the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And... It's a funny one because there's no real physical assault in it. There's no, you know, essay assault to speak of. That's not what this one is about. It's it's about a subject that I, I know, I know for a fact from hearing from a lot of you and hearing a lot of your stories, which I always really appreciate. Thank you for that. If you want to write to me any time on um, podcast at gmail.com, just please feel free always completely safe and I would never disclose any of it but yeah I know just for a fact that there's situations very similar to the story I'm going to tell today in a lot of families and it's the one where you've been betrayed and that is the only word by somebody in your family that has either done something to you or knows that something was done to you and absolutely knows it with all their heart and still chooses, very much makes a conscious choice for you to be the one that is persecuted for it, even though you are not to blame, you are the victim in the situation and for whatever reason and the reasons, I mean, I I can't even begin to understand what, what a reason could be or a justifiable reason for persecuting someone who is not to blame for the situation where they've been harmed or um, just treated badly by, you know, another member of the family. But, yeah, there's no justifiable reason, I don't think, but I can't tell you enough how I empathise with everybody that that's happened to because I absolutely know firsthand how much it hurts and how much damage it does, the knock-on effect it has just throughout the rest of your life. And, yeah, it just absolutely hurts. That's the main thing I could say about it. And the whole thing, you know, to do with there's always going to be sides taken by different members of the family for, for whatever reason, again, and you can be either believed or not believed for the story that you have told them or gone to them with. And again, of course, it's very heartbreaking not to be believed, but I I'm sure that's happened to quite a lot of you as well but a lot of the time I don't know I might be sometimes I think I'm a bit Pollyanna and optimistic about it all but I just reckon that it's very rare that the rest of the family or the family member that you went to for help doesn't know the truth. I might be wrong there but I just think unless they are really that good at lying to themselves that they've convinced themselves that you're lying and that whatever you said happened never happened and they want to defend the person that that harmed you. I I still feel there's got to be, especially where women are involved, I think there's got to be a part of you that knows that the person who came to you for help is telling the truth. Anyway, I have spoken quite a lot of times about my fractured relationship with my family that I had from a very young age and uh, quite a bit of hurt and betrayal The whole time from my older sister, who was five years older than me and was someone I just idolised and adored for many years until I realised, I guess, sounds harsh, but I realised who she really was and how little she truly cared about me. It was a hard pill to swallow, but I had to do it and had to realise it. And, um, but yeah, so just to put, to sort of set the scene, it was a bit of a fractured relationship anyway when all this happened but you know suffice to say it got a lot worse after this episode I mean not this episode I'm recording now I mean this happening in our family so I'll just start from the start and hopefully make it as coherent as possible this I'll just to really clarify too this is not when I'm a child this is when I'm a fully grown adult this happened and obviously these things can happen at any age but mine I reckon I was about 27 or so when this happened yes and again you can probably hear my puppy dogs in the background they're just a constant part of the podcast so just try to hear me over there over there incessant trying to get my attention but anyway yes so I was about 27 and I had a relationship with my sister and uh, she had children three children and I had a, i guess an okay relationship with her husband um we have to give him a name what are we going to call him jerry <laughs> jerry suits him perfectly and you know he was just what i thought was just an ordinary man who i thought you know for many years and then was proven wrong with that as well that he was good to my sister and i really don't know why i ever thought that once i actually realized what was going on but he and she had three kids and they lived sort of on rural land outside a little country town near where I grew up. And when I would go there, and uh, I don't know, I can't even think how often I would have gone to visit them, but, you know, you might say a couple of times a year, I guess, or a few times a year because, you know, I used to really miss her because I lived quite a way away from her at that time. And, you know, I had forgiven her for a lot of things that had already happened and I still wanted a relationship with her very much. So I would come and visit anyway, and Jerry, her husband, would say really weird things to me sometimes. And I, you know, and you know, again, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this when you've just had so many strange, weird, and creepy men around you all your life, and they've said such weird things to you, and you've just heard it, you know, had nauseum all your life, this weird shit from men, that you'd sort of. I don't know, well, I did anyway. I just feel like I just wouldn't know where to put it in my head when they said something weird or or how to react to it or or decide even whether it was just a really bizarre thing to say or not. Or, and, you know, and looking back at it now, as I do with all of these stories, and I just think, what the F? Like what was everyone thinking? And what was he thinking? What was my sister thinking? What was I was what was I thinking when he used to say fairly regularly and I'm pretty sure in front of my sister and with that I might be wrong but I'm pretty sure it was right in front of my sister he'd often say that he loved me and follow it up with that I love you more than a sister so meaning that he loved me more than he would love a sister and it you know, in hindsight, I just think what an absolutely effing bizarre thing to say. And why was there never any reaction to it when he said it in front of other people? But perhaps he didn't. I I have a memory of him doing that. But again, I couldn't absolutely swear to it. I just thought that people were there sometimes when he said it. But when he said it to me, I used to just not to think it was weird, only, like honestly weird, but just sort of think, you know, I don't know why you're saying that, but you know, men are weird, and and I'd had, suppose I'd just gotten really kind of jaded about all of that kind of thing. So, uh, fast forward to me. This is a time when I'd actually lived with a partner, short term, and I lived out in the countryside of where I live now. So we we still lived about sort of five and a half, six hours apart from each other. My sister and her husband, and me, and my very short term partner I lived with, and so yeah, sort of six. Hours in a car travel, and I was living in this place, just sitting the scene again and was just home by myself one day and just to clarify to to go to where I live to come to where I live you would absolutely have to have been going there very intentionally it wasn't on the way to or from anywhere it was very much off the beaten track on a rural road, um, not necessarily near any towns. Yeah. Unless, so, yeah, unless you were really deliberately going there, you would have no reason to be driving past my home. So um, there I was. I think I was standing in the kitchen making a cup of tea or something in the house that I lived in and remembering again that I'm about 27, I think, and this man is, I don't know, actually, he'd, he'd have to have been in his 40s, mid-40s or later at the time. And all of a sudden I hear a car come down the driveway, I look out the window and it's sort of like a white, you know, company car vehicle kind of thing where I didn't recognise it at all and I walked out to see who it was and sure enough it's my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, and I just had absolutely no idea why he was there. There would have been, I mean, we certainly weren't close friends, we were very much... Connected in the way that a sister and brother in law are you know fairly distantly, we have absolutely nothing in common, nothing whatsoever, and you know no further connection or relationship other than yes yeah, sister in law and brother in law so I didn't know what he was doing there. I thought he must have come to for some reason, I thought he was going to drop something off or had something to tell me. Um, But it was weird he hadn't just called on the phone. I just didn't know, didn't know why he was there. So he came inside and everything, you know, even for the first couple of minutes sort of seemed fairly normal to me, that I still didn't know why he was there, but I didn't feel concerned or worried or anything at all. I just, you know, thought he was eventually going to tell me what he would come round there for and that he was probably only there for a couple of minutes. And so it was all quite friendly and everything. and. I said something like, you know, I'd, I was just about to put the kettle on. Do you want a cup of tea? And he said yes. And so I remember walking back over to the kettle to put it on and, um, you know, just being completely oblivious to any weird energy that was in the room. I just wasn't picking up on it at all. And it's always one of those things, again, where you look back and just think, what the hell? I mean, what did I think was going on? But anyway, the next thing, you know, I turn round just from – Having the kettle on and getting the cups out and everything, I turn around and Jerry is there just immediately right in front of me, like too close, like too close to be sort of normal, you know, in a very invading my personal space kind of way. And I just yeah was a bit taken aback for a sec of just like, oh, what are you doing? like what are you standing that close for? And when I looked at his face, he just had the most intense weird look in his eyes that I've ever seen or never ever seen on him I wouldn't say never seen on anyone I've seen weirder but it was just a very intense very creepy almost glassy eyed kind of look when he was looking right into my face and I said are you all right what are you doing and he just started his spiel of saying I've come here because I have to talk to you about something I know I've told you before that I love you more than a sister, um, but I don't know whether you understand that I'm in love with you. And, you know, in any other case, I wouldn't have an affair and I wouldn't can we call my sister Natasha. <sighs> just so to clarify, I'm making up names here just to protect somebody, I don't know who. Um, but, yeah, I, he said I would never normally betray her or fool around behind her back with anybody else but I would with you and I'm wondering how you feel about that because I would like to have an affair with you and it there's suffice to say it was one of those feelings where just time stands still for a minute and I just couldn't believe what he was saying couldn't believe what he I just couldn't understand any of it I was just completely horrified and I remember just this real sinking feeling of just absolute yuck and and again betrayal of just thinking even you like thinking with all the creepiness around me and in my life and that's been throughout our family when he knew about it all too that was one of the main things is he knew about my stepfather he knew probably other things as well that had happened in my life he would have, he just knew he knew how I'd been treated by people he knew I was an abused kid as a kid and still I just looked at him and just thought you even you you creep and that I he was just somebody who I I don't think I particularly ever would have liked him any more than I liked him you know five minutes before that ever happened but just somebody i badly needed to trust or just think was a normal, not sleazy kind of person. That was pretty much all I would have been expecting of him, which I would very, very low bar set for how I saw men at the time. And I just desperately wanted the father of my, you know, niece and nephews and everything to be a good man. And I just thought, oh, yuck and gross. So I remember that was pretty much my reaction of just, I don't know what you're talking about, no, I would never do that. I'm not attracted to you anyway, so even if you know, with whatever's going on in your head is not going on in my head so you know for starters so but you know the other thing is your the main thing, obviously is you're married to my sister, and what the fuck are you talking about and so I you know basically it ended very awkwardly and I was angry, but I don't even think I really showed that at that stage. It was more just, again, sort of shock and disgust is what I normally feel in these situations, and then not knowing what to say, not knowing what I'm supposed to say in that situation. Anyway, so he ended up leaving, and then I very much wanted to call my sister. I remember yeah, that was my first thought of wanting to call her and tell her what had happened and then, for some reason, not doing that. So, yeah, for whatever reason, I can't begin to explain what I was thinking, but I knew that eventually I would tell her, but I just didn't really know how to do it at the time or what to do or what was for the best. And anyway, fast forward to um, a little while after that, they came up our way again. The family did. My sister and my brother-in-law and the kids came for a holiday that up on the Gold Coast, which is just another couple of hours past where I live further north, and so they had to more or less sort of go past my place to get, or not go past the place but to go past the area that I lived in and, again, sort of come out of their way to come and see me because I seem to remember there was some I was angry and upset about something else that had happened because I remember there was something like I'd taken a day off work to as a plan to go up and spend the day at at a theme park with them all and we'd agreed on the day and I'd taken the day off and you know there was some agreement with that and I was quite looking forward to seeing them not my brother-in-law obviously but my sister and the kids and I'd found out the day or think it was the night before I was supposed to go and see them supposed to go and meet them that they'd already gone that day they'd gone to the place that we planned to go to and I can't remember why. I don't know why they would have done that. But, you know, knowing my sister as I do now, I, it could have been anything. It could have been, you know, she just does stuff like that. And it almost seems, you know, getting to know her as a person way down the track, she almost quite deliberately does stuff like that to to hurt and to harm and something I'll never understand. But I'm, I'm sure that it's happened quite a lot things that I don't know about the decision she makes or what joy she gets out of it but she apparently does so so yes just to accept that scene I was definitely angry about that or upset and I'd been crying about it and was really baffled as to why they would have done that and you know that I'd taken the day off work for nothing and there was no point going you know up to see them anymore because they'd already been where we were going and whatever I I can't remember the whole story. It was a long time ago. But, yeah, I just remember them calling in to see me and it must have been sort of on their way home from the holiday or I think as far as I can remember unless they had just come down, you know, down my way for the day or for a couple of days. I really can't remember. But I just do remember that, that you know, it had kind of been all swept under the rug between me and him that you know, no one had said anything up to this point about what had happened and I don't know whether in my mind at the time I was planning on doing it at all, I might have decided not to, I might have decided it was better not to, I really don't know. But, yeah, this they called in to see me and I was a little bit, you know, kind of quiet and a bit hurt, which, you know, I freely admit to, that that's what I do in those kind of situations is retreat quite a lot, quite a lot. And as a child, I would have been um, accused of sulking, and I really hate that word because when children sulk, it's often because their heart's breaking about something and they're really upset. They're not just sulking for the sake of it. But yeah, that's what I probably would have been accused of. And but I was just I just felt really hurt and just thought it was a very sort of vast thing to do, and again felt quite deliberate. So. My, I said something a little bit, I don't know whether you'd say snarky, but to them when they came to visit me and my partner I was with at the time, that like I had a little bit of a probably a little stab by way of saying something like, oh, yeah, well, it would have been nice if you had told me that was happening or something or or I might have even started crying. I mean, goodness knows I, I can't remember whether I was actually sort of more peed off or or upset in a crying kind of way, but I just remember saying something about that, about being um, let down, in about the whole thing of spending the day with them and that not happening, and my brother-in-law making a little remark to the effect of, well, you know, yeah, not everything revolves around you, to me. And, wow, when he said that, I just remember absolutely seeing red absolutely seeing red and feeling like I was just losing my mind then and it's like it just kicked in at that second realizing how deeply I loathed this man that was standing in front of me and what I'd been holding on to and I'm not saying I am not claiming this was the right thing to do in any way shape or form to have blurted it out like I did I'm not saying that's the right thing to do and I do not recommend it um I think in these situations, it's much better to get these things out when you're calm and reasonable and at least a bit balanced, which I was none of those things at the time. But I remember just standing up, looking at him in the eye and just blurting out, you've got to be kidding me after what you've just done. That's the way you're speaking to me. You know, something very much to that effect. And there was just this very you know, uncomfortable silence where you could cut the tension with a knife or whatever the expression is. And my sister, it was a dead silence, I remember, after I said it, and my sister just said, what do you mean by that? And I immediately regretted what I'd said and done and immediately regretted blurting it like that. And then so I just said, "Um, you need to ask him about that because I'm not talking about it anymore. Blurted it out and said that. He had to talk to her about it. It was all really uncomfortable and basically they got in the car and left and I just, you know, was kind of really bricking it for the next five or six hours knowing they were driving home and just wondering was she going to ask him about it? Was he going to admit what he'd done? Was it all going to come out? What reaction would my sister have? And in my, again, very naive mind, I kind of thought for a minute that her knowing about what had happened would more or less have to mean the end of their marriage or the end of their relationship because why on earth or who on earth would stay with a man who had said or done that to your sister? Um, None other. So so that was probably why I think it was more upsetting too because I just thought, you know, perhaps it was better to not have said anything because I'm going to, you know, not not that I was responsible, I truly wasn't, but for the way I said it, I was, and that I was going to be part, you know, of them probably ending up not together, which, you know, I didn't think that was a bad thing at all because I just thought he was an absolute greasy, sleazy asshole. I didn't think that my sister should be with him or anything but I knew that you know it was just going to be a big upheaval and I felt terribly bad for the children obviously and just yeah it was just horrible I didn't know what was going to happen and so nothing happened that evening as far as I'm aware and I think it was the next day that my sister called me on the phone and said um, she was just absolutely. Furiously, furiously angry with me to the point where she was sort of spitting words at me and just so furious and called me many names and just could not get across how disgusted she was with me and how could I make something up like that? How could I lie? Why would I lie? Like, as you know, she knows Jerry, she knows he would never. Do something like that, blah blah. How many times do we have to hear that one? Um, but yeah, he wouldn't do it. Oh, I was just evil. I was so effed up. I needed psychological help for being a, oh, whatever you call it, pathological liar, something like that. And yeah, anyway, so on and on it went. The fury was just unbelievable. And I I remember just sort of being hurt and upset about her reaction, but in a way not 100% surprised because I just thought, yep, yeah, this is what the women in my family do. It's a very uh, sort of almost learnt behaviour or something that I've just seen happen over and over and over again um, with the women in our family, both immediate family and extended family, where... Women just stand by their men, it, I, seemingly no matter what they do, seemingly no matter what they do, how they're treated. I, I've just seen it again and again. And and I wasn't 100% surprised that my sister would do that, but just kind of, you know, obviously really hurt. I thought, surely you know me better than you know him if you've known me literally all my life. And you've known this man a number of years or a short number of years at that point. But, you know, of course, that's not what happens. That doesn't matter how well they know you, how much they know you wouldn't be lying, you wouldn't make something like that up. It's much, much easier to believe that and to tell yourself that. And so hence the name Betrayal of the episode because that's totally what it feels like. So, yeah, I was more or less just told never to contact them again, and to keep away from them. And, you know, for a long time I did. I I don't know for how long, again, timing can be weird about these stories, but I reckon about another year at least after that, that I didn't contact them, didn't see them. There was just nothing more that happened about it. And I think, again, optimistically, I sort of hoped that one day it would just come out, the truth would come out or something I didn't know what was going to happen but I thought that surely you know we'd all reconnect one day or well, me and my sister and the kids would because I thought surely she's not going to let this person completely ruin our lives like every other man that's entered our lives has uh the men really have like the the awful men in our lives have controlled everything as far as you know what happens to us and the quality of our lives and our connection with family everything and I just thought no I I don't I would have believed she was a much stronger, much more almost noble person than that. I don't know why I thought that, but I thought that just just absolutely no way she'd let that happen, that she'd lose me forever over something that a man had done, um, regardless of the fact that, again, I am freely admitting that I, I brought it out in a very wrong and very immature way. I know I did, and, you know, looking back, If I had to do it over, I'd have done it very, very differently. But, you know, regardless of that, the fact remained that this man had done what I had accused him of. So um, then I was still living with this partner that I lived with at the time. At the time this happened, I think I'd only been with him for a few months in this house. And, you know, it wasn't a a very fractured relationship from the start, the relationship I had with him. But I would not have seen what came next coming at all. It was, again, a very sort of shocking occurrence that one night we, me and the partner that I had then, so what can we call him? Um, <laughs> oh, I can't think of anything. Let's call him Graham, as in Graham Parsons. I don't know why that just popped into my head. Um, but it will call him Graham, the partner I had at the time. And we had, even though it was a fractured relationship with quite a bit of you know, arguing and that kind of thing. It, I was never particularly afraid of this person, not really. I always thought he was a little bit odd and, you know, he was a little bit of an unknown quantity in some ways, but I wasn't afraid. Anyway, this one night we just had what I would have considered a fairly normal argument about something that had something to do with money or something to do with the division of money or something to do with paying the rent or, I mean, probably very something very ordinary like that. And I remember he called me something, a very horrible name, as he walked past, he sort of shuffled past me as I was standing in the kitchen, he was standing in the bedroom. And as he walked past me, he called me something that I won't say now, but it was a really horrible name, and I reached up to, I guess... I wouldn't say to grab his head. He had a shaved head anyway, so I wouldn't have been able to. I'm not laughing again because it's funny. It's just the way I'm telling it that I think it doesn't make much sense. But he had a shaved kind of head anyway, so he didn't have any hair to grasp. But I remember just putting my hand up to the side of his head as if my intention had been to grab his hair in some way or, and I sort of accidentally grabbed the side of his ear. And, I mean, it would have been just so... I'm not just making it sound better than it was. I'm really not. I'm not. Again, I shouldn't have done this, but I more or less kind of clipped his ear with my hand as I put it up, and it wasn't even, I wouldn't even call it so much as a push or a shove or or anything of that nature. It was just sort of putting my hand up in response to what he had called me, I guess, and with the action of my arm going up to his ear, he flew around like just really, really alarmingly. They grabbed my wrist and just flung me to the floor. And uh, it's a bit sorry, I'm sort of telling this in haltingly because I as I'm telling it, I just it is one of those things that you kind of tend to relive a bit of just thinking, I honestly not many times I've been this terrified of of just thinking, oh my God, like what is happening and not being at all ready for it. But he flung me to the floor and bent down beside me I was laying on my back on the kitchen floor and he laid not laid down like knelt down beside me and put his two hands around my throat and really viciously like sort of pressed down on my throat and was just looking into my eyes saying do you want to effing die do you want to effing die I'm gonna effing kill you and I was just absolutely terrified because in that moment I honestly really thought he was going to do it. My eyes were bulging. You know, I ended up later on having a, you know, what do you call it when you get the, like a burst blood vessel, and the eye ended up having that in one of my eyes afterwards. So he was pressing very, very hard. My I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. Everything was going black. And, you know, I just can see now how how obviously very quickly that could happen if you were being um, strangled or choked by somebody that it's very it could be very fast I think because I don't think all that took very long and I was losing consciousness and um yeah very very painful to the the sort of thumbs round your throat and yeah, pushing down on your neck and everything and my heart goes out to anyone that that's ever happened to because it is truly terrifying but yeah so this one night You know, it was probably a year after the whole thing with my sister and brother-in-law that he did that, my um, so-called partner at the time. And then he stopped just as I was blacking out, stopped, got up and walked out the door and slammed it kind of thing. Like So I was just sort of left on the floor trying to get my breath back and try to just sort of make sense of what was happening. And when I heard him... Uh, I I could hear that he was still walking around outside the house. I suppose it's not really irrational at the time when when you're recovering from something like that, but just for some, you know, for one really horrible moment, I thought that he had gone outside to find something to hit me with or to kill me with. That was what my thought was. I mean, it could have been true for all I know, but that was just what my instinctually what I thought was happening. And so... I remember just crawling on my stomach so he wouldn't see me. I kept crawling, rolling over onto my tummy, crawling along on the wooden floor and reaching up to get the phone because we just had a home phone, like at that time, not a mobile phone or anything. And I remember just trying to really quietly get to the phone so I could, I actually had intended, I think, to call the cops. Obviously, that was what I was going to do. And then I remember just having this feeling of really intense fear that if I did that, I, I can't even explain it. I, you know, In domestic violence situations, I know there's so many of us that have got stories like this where you're not quite understanding or sure of why you did something or made the decision you made. But I remember just at the last minute not calling the cops because – I somehow thought that if I did and if they came and if they didn't take him away because I wasn't sure what would happen or if they did, that then he would kill me or he'd kill me for calling the cops because he just would have been completely humiliated by that and, you know, he was really good friends with our close neighbours and everything so it would have just been a really, you know, humiliating thing for him which at the time, why I would have cared about that, I don't know that's the sort of stuff that goes through your head, I know. And so I ended up calling my sister instead. And I remember just whispering into the phone. She picked it up and I was whispering, help me, please help me. And thinking that, you know, that was the person that I could turn to who actually would even possibly come out of her way or maybe even come over to get me, even if it was a very big, long drive. I I just thought... My sister, no matter what's happened, is not going to let me be in this situation where I'm in this much danger. Surely, like she's not going to let that happen. So I was saying, um Graham just tried to choke me. He tried to choke me. Can you please help me? I don't know what to do. And I was just in a terrible state, like a very, very shocked, horrible state. And I remember telling her all that and then just waiting for her to reply. And the coldness, I'll just never forget the coldness of her voice, um, just really scathingly saying, this is your problem, it's not mine, don't you dare come anywhere near this house. Yeah, that was the main gist of it is don't you dare, if you're thinking of coming over here, don't, don't you ever come near this house. Gary doesn't want you anywhere near here ever again. And, yeah, so just don't even think about it and I just – Honestly, and I know people can relate to that one as well, but I've just never felt so alone and so just completely, I don't know what the word is, just distraught that I felt in that moment of just realizing that I absolutely had no one. I had, you know, a few friends at that time, but no one I was particularly close to. I was a bit of a loner. And yeah, it was just a complete feeling of aloneness and thinking, I just don't know what to do next. He's going to kill me and that's just the way it's going to be. And I think in that moment I almost just accepted that was probably what was going to happen and I, I don't know. I mean, goodness knows what I was thinking after that, but I remember her hanging up on me and I just felt like all my insides just went to water kind of thing of just thinking that no one's going to help me. And again, when you look at it back and if you listen to some of my other episodes about things to do with my sister, I don't know why I was surprised because that was pretty much her default setting was letting me down in any situation where I absolutely needed her or needed a family member. Yeah, what she would do like 9.9 times out of 10 is to completely reject me and just want nothing to do with supporting me in any way so I don't know why I was so shocked and surprised at that but I was and yeah so there's a lot of things I could say about that story so yeah lots of things happen and then I jumped forward to didn't obviously didn't have anything to do with them again until jump forward a couple of years after that and when I became pregnant with my son I was 30 31 I think so this was a few years later of having no contact with them um again I think this is something that's relatable to a lot of people that when you get pregnant and you're going to have a baby obviously that's when you want your family the most and I I believe it's probably fairly common that that's when a lot of estranged family members sort of try to reconnect again because at no other time do you need your family or want not probably not the family you've been blessed with, but the family that you wish you had. There's no other time you need them as much as when you're going to become a mother yourself. You want a good mum. You want a good family that care about you. And I think a lot of things are overlooked about that time of because it's such a desperate feeling of wanting family. So, kind of very long story short, I reconnected again. When I was pregnant with my son, and my mum and my sister actually came up to visit um, briefly when he was born, and that was all, you know, strangely kind of normal and usual that it was, just like having a normal family with a sister and a mum that came to visit and, you know, brought presents and seemed to love my little boy at least to some degree. You know, as much as they can do that, I think with anyone, but um. But, yeah, so I had my little boy and I just, I was married to his father at the time and that's a whole other story that I'll have to tell another day because this one's going on for too long as it is. But, yeah, that wasn't a good situation. It was a very bizarre situation and would never have happened if I hadn't um, been pregnant to him and in no way would it ever have happened, but we tried our very best to make a go of it for a good few years. But yeah, so I was with him at the time, but it was a very, again, very lonely, very sad situation because he wasn't a good man from the beginning, just to be honest to me. And yeah, so again, I felt very much like I was doing all of it alone and again, very much wanted my female relatives. So after that, it was kind of like not that I think that the incident with the with my brother-in-law was ever going to be forgotten or you know wasn't like we were just pretending it never really happened or anything I I don't really know how to explain it but it was kind of like that was just shelved at the time in the interests of us becoming you know in connected again or in contact again because of the birth of my baby. So I think you know there was probably real honest effort at least for a very short time on on all sides, from my mum, who I hadn't been in contact with either, my sister, between, yeah, you know, from me, I just think there was probably a fair bit of effort made for the first, I don't know, however long, just, you know, I remember going there once when he was just a few months old, going there again when he was probably nearly two. Oh, I can't remember. There was much after that, but I probably, going you know, again, might be wrong, but I'd say I probably went there half a dozen times, the visit at various times of when he was still little. And I just remember, I mean, it's not it's not like I didn't see it at the time, but when I look back at it now, I just overlooked a hell of a lot of things, you know, in the interest of having a family back. I overlooked things that were just all around me that when I look at it now, I just think I honestly I don't think I could have anticipated how deeply they truly hated me. And that is a strong word, but that is what I see it as now because of the way I was treated when I would bring him there it was just so awful and so, so downright spiteful and nasty that I I just, you know, the awful examples that I have is, you know, and even to the biggest shock was my niece who was um, a teenager at this time and who I, you know, I didn't talk much about her, but she, I just absolutely adored her so deeply and my sister knew this she knew this herself my niece knew this that I just had a daughter from the day she was born and didn't even comprehend for some reason that she had been told whatever she'd been told or indoctrinated to the point that she had of hating me so much for what I'd supposedly done and um, not what her father had done but what What I had done, I just, I mean, I don't know. I could only hazard a guess as to what these children were told. There was two boys younger than her and she was the older teenage girl and they must have just been, you know, as I say, indoctrinated to just hate my guts and I didn't really realise that until I just witnessed the horrible things that were happening and just suddenly had these moments of these people hate me and this is a horrible environment to bring my child into, I remember one day my sister, niece, and I went to the shopping centre and my baby was still in the baby capsule thing, you know, when you carry them in the thing with the handles and stuff. And we went to get some lunch in the food court in the shopping centre and I put the capsule thing up on the table, you know, just sort of next to me on the table so I could see him there as we were having our lunch. And at one point I just said, oh, can you just watch him for a sec? I've just got to run to the toilet. I was busting for a wee and I, so I got up from the table and, you know, just more or less sort of, as said over my shoulder as I left, I'll be back in a sec, like just thinking, oh, kookaburras again. Can you hear kookaburras? Oh, so lovely, so nice. I just must be recording at the same time as they um, start singing every night. It must just keep happening because it's about the same time again. Anyway, so, yes, as I walked away, I could just hear my sister and my teenage niece giggling and i turned around and looked at them to see what they were laughing at and just said what um like that way that you do when you just sort of feel like you know someone's laughing but you don't really know what at or anything and it's a little bit awkward and a little bit sort of uncomfortable and i just turned around went what and i remember my niece just saying oh nothing nothing and i just looked back again and went no what are you laughing at because i could see they were laughing at me they were looking at me And my niece went, oh, nothing. It's just that all the fat in your body was just pushed up over the top of your trousers, over the top of your pants, and was just all lopsided and it just looked really funny. And so (laughs) that's what you want to hear when you've just had a baby, obviously, is something as sweet as that about your body. And I just remember looking at them. And thinking, are you for real? Like you too. my sister had had three kids, by the way, and would have just absolutely known with all her heart how hurtful that would have been. And But she was still laughing. You know, they would, it was just like it was like being in an, epi- in an episode, in a scene of Mean Girls or something of just like, you people are unbelievable. Just, you know, laughing at the fat distribution of my body after I've just had a baby. And it was things like that. It was like not that that was completely unusual that – they would say things like that, you know, they are, just to be honest, are those sort of people, like they just are, that would have a bit of a go at something about you, the way you look, or (laughs) once it was the size of my feet that I didn't realise I had really big feet until it was pointed out to me by my sister, and I just never knew. But anyway, so it wasn't like it was unusual, but I just remember thinking, wow, they're just proper bitches, these two, and they're my family. And then another time... I had brought my boy for Christmas. It was me and him there and there was most of the family there, I think. I think my brother, his wife and their kids and my nana, I mean my nana, my mother, which was my little boy's nana. And, um, you know, just probably I just remember there'd been a house full of people at my sister's house for Christmas and my little boy was still quite little then. And I remember just very deliberately my niece passing out presents to everybody in the room, presents that she'd bought herself because she had a job at the time and I was proudly handing out Christmas gifts that she'd bought for everyone and then just turned to me and said really loudly, I didn't get you anything and very deliberately and I remember just feeling like it was like a punch in the gut of not understanding why she would say that or do that but the very worst thing was looking over at my sister and just seeing this most horrible smirk on her face the smirk is the only word you could use of just like you might as well have just stuck a tongue out and went ha, ha, like at knowing how hurt I would have been about that and how it was just a very deliberate attempt to make me feel bad and uncomfortable and just yeah, a little aside of just a weird thing that would make it just so much meaner is that my sister has said on more than one occasion oh your love language like talking about me she's definitely gift giving isn't it like she knows I love giving gifts she knows I love receiving gifts she I just love presents and my sister has said that on more than one occasion and knows me well so knows that about me and so thus would have absolutely known how much that would have hurt and how consciously they seemed to do it I felt I knew that my sister knew that my niece had got everyone a present but me and I knew she was it was like she was just waiting for it to be announced so they could see how hurt I was it was really horrible but yeah there was just lots of little things like that um even things like I don't know I'm probably might be being a bit petty now but I just think you know things that just absolutely hurt like having my little boy in the pool that they had, they had a pool outside obviously outside and my little boy was in it and when he was still a baby and he you know accidentally pooed his nappy did a poo in his nappy and I grabbed him out of the pool really fast and ran him you know from the pool to inside the door to try to you know and he had a bit of poo running down his leg even though he none got in the pool or anything but I'd grabbed him in time to just stop him doing it as babies do in the pool and he was quite a he was just a really sensitive lovely little boy and he was just a bit sort of humiliated and embarrassed because he was still a toddler but he was a bit embarrassed because it wasn't something he'd normally do and he was sort of crying a bit as I ran from the pool to inside to sort him out with it and everything and I just remember just looking at their faces and my sister and my niece again sort of thing, just laughing really nastily like laughing sort of at him as well as me and I remember then just having this really sinking feeling of wow it's not just me it's like you you are that whatever you are like that spiteful that you're actually being spiteful to my child and really realizing you know by that time that it was sinking in that it just how horrible it actually was and that you know there was no way that this had been forgotten it was like they were going to punish me for it they had every intention of you know if I was going to be back in their lives they seemed to be in some ways kind of putting up with it but were not going to let me get away with it without being completely yeah like punished for the dreadful thing I'd done and again not the dreadful thing that this man had done and you know as far as I know like if the kids oh and the Boys, I just want to say about the two nephews things like things happen where I'd send them a Christmas card with money in it. This was after we'd become estranged again, to be honest. But after my sister and I became estranged again because of this behavior, I had still sent the kids, I'd sent the boys some money in a Christmas card. You know, you put the 20 bucks inside a card you know and send it to a child for christmas and they it came back to me returned to sender these two envelopes with just nasty things written all over the envelopes that the kids had written and no i you can't tell me any kid of you know they were still little boys have has the way of thinking or that nastiness of thinking to think of doing that themselves or to think of what nasty things they could write on the envelopes themselves unless they were somehow coached or assisted in doing it I just don't I refuse to believe that these kids did that themselves with no encouragement I mean maybe they did I just don't I just wouldn't have believed that and so yes there was just and that was again you know when I was starting to move away from connecting with them again because it was just so hurtful and so horrible and I just realized yeah, it was just a completely of the, like the futility of trying to reconnect and thinking it was ever going to be all right again and knowing it wasn't. So, um, yes, this is a very long episode. I'm sorry, I just realized how long it's going for, but I'm nearly finished. I just have to explain a little bit more about what happened. That just out of interest, this might seem a funny thing to weave into it, but it was just an interesting interlude in the whole thing. A few years after that, um, my sister and her husband went through what I would only want to call one of their Christian phases, one of their born-again Christian phases, which that's something that's funny. You'll see that weaved or hear that weaved in and out of a lot of the stories I tell. There's often what I call various family members a Christian phase. And this is when I reckon, this is just my theory, but it's kind of like when they have done their most terrible acts or, you know, they feel, I don't know, I might be, again, giving them too much credit to say this, but I reckon it's when they feel absolutely awful about themselves and things that they've done and have some sort of level of self-loathing which I do think if they're human beings would only be natural in these cases but I and then it's just a very it's a pattern that happens in our family that suddenly they'll start going to church and say they've become a Christian and it doesn't seem very sincere to me it seems very um like you know That bumper sticker, that awful thing, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven or something awful like that. Like they are obviously, to me, I reckon, look trying to be forgiven for what they've done or feel like that they've been somehow absolved of the terrible things they've done to people. And I don't know, maybe that's not true. Maybe it's partly true, but I just reckon that it is. It's that often it comes after a time of that they've just been these really, really dreadful human beings to people. So this is what happened. My Previously, I know for a fact my brother-in-law had no connection with Christianity of any kind like that. It was just a very sudden thing that he suddenly decided he was a Christian, he was quoting the Bible, and, um, you know, and I knew this in various ways, but sort of through my mum because mum was still in contact with both of us and blah, blah, blah. And um, so anyway, I took the opportunity and this was done on three different occasions over a series of months that I, I think one was when I wrote a letter, I wrote a, an actual physical letter to my sister and my, um, brother-in-law to tell them what I wanted to tell them and I think the other times were times that I'd called them and said the same thing. But on three separate occasions I said, because you're Christians now and you have such a deep belief in the word of Jesus and the Bible and whatever else you're claiming is true at the moment in your lives that um, I just wondered that would you meet me in a church and, and I said, at any church, a church of your choosing, I will drive there to you. You don't have to meet me halfway or come to me. I will drive to exactly where you are and meet at your church, at any church. And I said, just for once and for all, to clear up that I am not lying about what I said that Jerry did. And if he is still claiming this never happened, then he'd be perfectly happy to put his hand on the Bible and to... Um, swear that it never happened he didn't do it and that I'm lying and suffice to say of course um, the three times I was completely ignored like completely rejected they even got a bit abusive about it at one stage of course because it was just like they had no recourse or nothing to sort of fall back on about why they wouldn't do that or no good reason I guess other than you know they couldn't be doing that if they were Christians they weren't you know, in the face of Jesus, they weren't going to be able to do that because they knew they were lying. So, and to me, I was just like, wouldn't that prove it once and for all if this is what you really believe? And this is really your, you know, whole belief system that wouldn't that once and for all, wouldn't you believe me? Or wouldn't that just clear up who is telling the truth? And that I don't deserve to be treated like this for something that was true. And And anyway, so the, of course, they never did it. But I always just thought, you know, it was just a a good opportunity to do that and a very definitive answer that they both knew that he was lying and I wasn't. It was just obvious at that point and even things like it was very sad too because my mum she confessed to me while this was all going on that she absolutely loathed Jerry. She just said she hated him She did say the word hate, which was unusual for her too. She hated him and had for a long time. She thought he was a really awful man and for a lot of other reasons, not just for this one. But she still didn't back me up. Of course, still would not back me up in this situation. My older brother said one of the weirdest things I've ever heard anybody say in the face of one of these situations. I just badly, desperately wanted him to be on my side and back me up just so I'd have somebody that believed in me. And he said to me that I had to get over it because what Jerry had said to me, he probably said at a two or a three, and I heard it at a ten. Now, <laughs> you tell me what that means because I still don't understand it, that he said it at a two or a three, and I heard it at a ten. So I needed to get over it. What the hell does that mean? I just That's just baffling to me even to this day about what the logic of that statement was. And probably the most painful thing too is my little brother that was my stepfather's son, so he was my half-brother and my sister's half-brother, obviously. I just adored him again from the day he was born until, you know, and at this stage he would have been, I don't know, I can't work it out, maybe 24, 25. And I just adored him and he was a very troubled soul for a lot of reasons of his own, but I really loved him and we had quite an, you know, a nice warm connection for most of our lives and it will forever, see i get in teary straight away, but it will forever break my heart that he decided to um, believe my sister's side of the story and I don't know why. I will never understand why because he had had his own problems with them and lies that they had told regarding him before so I don't know why he chose to believe them but he did and has pretty much never spoken to me again since that happened which is one of the greatest heartbreaks of my life because I miss him horribly and he was one of the lights of my life and the funniest person I've ever met anyway so that's very heartbreaking that he chose to do that but I couldn't stop him I couldn't help the situation but it was just another heartbreaking aspect of it that I didn't see coming. So. Again, nobody backed me up. Nobody was on my side because that just doesn't happen in our family. It seems to be easier to just demonise the person who's been hurt a lot of the time. That seems to be what they do. So just looking at a little bit of paper, I wrote a few things on here so I wouldn't forget to say them. So anyway, yes, I did try to clear my name several times. Um, Weddings came and went as far as. my niece's wedding, my brother's wedding, and I I wasn't invited to them. You can imagine the heartache of that and the disbelief at the time, and it was purely because of the lies that had been told. Like, I'm honestly not missing anything out here, that there was something I'm not mentioning that was, you know, aside from the fact of this one story, I hadn't done anything else to be treated this way. Yeah, so... I'm just checking my notes here because I just have written little things over and I think I've probably gone on enough. I'm I've accepted at this point there's just no going back. There's no not got not going to be reconnection with any of these people, not just because of Jerry's actions but just truly realizing the spite and cruelty that these people are capable of. That's the truth. Um, my—I mean, as I say, my gut now, now tells me that my sister knows what happened, and she'll go to her grave supporting Jerry, who I firmly believe as well that he will rot in whatever hell he now believes in. I'm not sure if Christianity's still his bag anymore. That could have been a passing thing. Who knows? But amongst all the general fuckery. I just believe there's no man more evil, sinister, cruel and absolutely weak as piss as he is. And believe me, that's saying something. So in telling this story, and I know it's been very long, but I couldn't seem to get it any shorter, is that I, by telling it, I don't wish to discourage anyone else from speaking their truth or to by going, you know, I don't want to discourage you from going to a family member or telling the truth about things that have happened to you, things that, you know, your creepy uncles have said, your creepy, the brothers-in-law, the uncles, the fathers, the grandfathers, whatever they've done or said to you needs to be brought up, you need to tell someone. And I know that this is not an encouraging story by way of saying there was some sort of, you know, amazing epiphany or breakthrough that came out of this situation because there just wasn't I was absolutely vilified for it and um absolutely like it's just been horrible there's no goodness that's come out of it at all I've lost my family completely as a result of this happening not my close family obviously my son that I have is the brightest light in my life and means absolutely everything to me and honestly does make up for pretty much everything in my life um so but I yeah so I don't wish to just say this is the awful thing that will happen if you do try to tell the truth to someone uh, I hope that you get a lot more support than I ever did and I really pray for that for you that that's what happens for you but this is what happened to me and the series of events that happened as a result of this story I'm sure is relatable to a lot of you unfortunately and yeah again it's just another aspect of a whole series of events that will continue to hurt I'm sure for a very long time and is another important thing I think to literally get off your chest and don't let it make you sick so I'll probably have to stop this now and I do apologize for this being a very long episode and again yes if you want to comment on it or tell me any stories of your own it's my bullseye podcast at gmail.com this is episode 15 it's called the betrayal Uh, don't forget at the very start when i talk about the book giveaway going into the book uh, competition or giveaway it's very easy you just tell me that you want it in an email and i can send that to you no matter where you are in the world so again this has been tams and wolf and i thank you so much for listening and for your ongoing support and as always i love you bye